What's happening, everybody? Welcome once again. This is Syracuse Basketball Post Game, presented by Krause Health, the official healthcare partner for SU Athletics. We're coming off the heels of a Syracuse loss to the Dukies, the ninth straight loss for Syracuse to Duke. As a matter of fact, final score at Cameron Indoor Stadium tonight, Duke 86 Syracuse 66, uh, plenty to break down in this one. Cannot wait to hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders a little bit later on here in the podcast. Uh, great texting with all you guys uh, during this game tonight, and we'll hear some of your thoughts coming up here. Uh, in terms of this game, it's kind of interesting how we're going to look at this one, folks, because the flaws that Syracuse has showed itself in the second half. They were able to stay in this game for about 25-26-ish minutes because Duke was not hitting threes, because Syracuse was crashing the boards, and despite the fact that Syracuse was turning the ball over and not really playing a fluid offense, they were hanging in there because they, as I mentioned, crashing the boards, getting to the free throw line, taking advantage of some possessions, as many bunnies and layups as they missed in the first half, and they are really regretting that after this game for sure. They still managed to, you look at the scoreboard, they're within two, they're within four, they're within six. Kyle Filipowski, one of the best players in the ACC, one of the best players in the country, not a factor at all, in foul trouble, doesn't score in the first half. And you're saying to yourself, ooh, wait a minute, they might be able to ugly their way to a win over the 14th-ranked team in the country and a team, as we noted, that they have not beat since the Tyus Battle shot in overtime and that win that Syracuse had over number one Duke at the time, 95-91, about five years ago, right? So it's been that long before Syracuse has a win over Duke. You're thinking maybe they could just kind of chip their way to a win over Duke tonight. But the flaws on this team showed itself in the second half. Duke hits eight of eight from three-point range after going 0 for 9 in the first half. So there's a flaw that Syracuse could not keep up with. This team does not have a consistent three-point shooter. It's supposed to be Chris Bell. Chris Bell, as we will talk about, has just been AWOL from this team for the most part in recent games. Justin Taylor, not there from three-point range. I mean, Quadir Copeland, God bless him, the reigning ACC player of the week, who really struggled tonight for his standards. He's popping threes. Malik Brown's taking threes. This team... And I brought this up a number of times on the postgame show. I brought it up on the postgame show after Pittsburgh that how long can you keep kind of getting away with the fact that you're not hitting threes? You know, Syracuse was three of 17 against Pittsburgh. And tonight from the uh, beyond the arc here, Syracuse is four of 16. Duke was eight of 17. We mentioned that Duke hit all eight of those threes in a row after not hitting any in the first half, eight of 17 overall. Syracuse shoots, uh, let's see here, 44%. They were 24 of 55. Duke was 53%, 31 of 59. Points off turnovers, a huge tilt towards uh, Duke tonight. They had 26 points off of 17 Syracuse turnovers. Duke had 11 turnovers. Syracuse only managed 11 points off that. Filipowski, not a factor in the first half. He certainly was in the second with 12 points as they kept feeding the ball to him inside. How about Mark Mitchell? Huge day for Duke with 21 points in the paint. Roach ends up with 17. McCain goes on a heater from the three-point line in the second half. Four of six there, 18 total points for him. Malik Brown was a huge positive for Syracuse in this game. 26 points, seven rebounds in the paint, 11 of 16, getting to the bucket. 
was missing some bunnies, but then just started dunking left and right. Duke could really not stop him in the paint. Judah Mintz ends up with 18 points. Didn't shoot that well. Five of 14. Did get to the free throw line nine times where he went eight of nine there. Those are the only two players, though, in doubles for Syracuse. J.J. Starling with just nine points. We mentioned the struggles of Bell, who only had two points in 11 minutes. Justin Taylor only had a free throw in 22 minutes of play. And, you know, you go down the list and you just don't see enough production quad year after that huge game against Pitt that earned him the ACC player of the week award. He had just six points tonight, two of nine. Uh, he had four turnovers on the night, which just it, you're going to get bad nights out of quad year Copeland. We know how important he is to this team. We know the energy he brings to this team, but he just had too many turnovers, too many bad shots, too many bad decisions there. I mean, for quad year Copeland to take six, three pointers in this game, you can't have that. You can't have Quadier taking six threes. He's not a good outside shooter. If he's wide open and he can put one or two in, great. But you cannot have Quadier Copeland shooting six threes. But then again, who's making threes for this team? It's one of the big question marks for this squad. So before we hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders, guys, this team has an interesting uh, quagmire. And that is this. And by the way, I'm flying solo tonight, as you can tell. Uh, Mike Waters and Donna Detona hard at work down there at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So we will hear from them uh, on Syracuse.com. Make sure you read their great coverage on Wednesday or whenever uh, you check out their great coverage from this game. But uh, for postgame purposes, it's just you and me uh, on the show tonight. So throughout the Jim Beheim era, one thing that I got asked all the time, right? Whenever somebody wanted to talk Syracuse basketball, who's going to be the starting five? And my answer was always, it doesn't matter. The Jim Beheim starting five doesn't matter. Who's in the game when it counts, when it's the second half, when you're in it, when you need a comeback, whatever the circumstances of the game call for, that's what matters, right? Adrian Autry has seemed to pick up the same flow from Jim Beheim, And I think he needs to change it because his starting lineup by no means is his best lineup. And I get matchups and I get certain things and certain reasons why players have to be out there. But, you know, let's look at this starting lineup for Syracuse right now. Your starting lineup typically is Judah Mintz, J.J. Starling, Naheem McLeod, Justin Taylor, Chris Bell. Okay. Judah and J.J., of course. Now, J.J., again, wasn't great tonight, but we all understand that starting backcourt. Naheem McLeod. How can I say this kindly? Naeem is, is too slow to be out there against prime ACC competition. He doesn't bring anything to the table offensively. He is not a good ball handler. Yeah, he can get you some block shots, and he's seven foot four, but he's not exactly killing it in terms of winning the opening tip, right? He's got a losing record on opening tips this year, believe it or not. So you're just kind of token starting the seven foot four guy, right? When Malik Blount is, is clearly your best center. Justin Taylor is not justifying his place on the court offensively. I get why Autry puts him out there on defense. I mean, you're putting Justin Taylor, though, on Kyle Filipowski. Are you serious about that? And there's one big, big thing that Autry did not do in this game tonight. I thought Autry actually has been coaching pretty well and for the most part mixed some things up and did some things in this game that I liked. But there was one big thing he did not do, as we'll get to shortly. Chris Bell. I don't know, guys. I, I mean, Chris Bell can hit threes. What else does Chris Bell do that makes you say he's got to be out there as a starter with that status? Now, again, in the past, I've always said that doesn't matter. You put your token starters out there, and then 
let the game evolve, and then work the matchups. I think we're getting to the point where your starting lineup and your best lineup is Judah Mintz, J.J. Starling, Benny Williams, Quadir Copeland, Malik Brown. I get the dynamic of bringing a guy off the bench. The best example of that through the years has been Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters never started a game at Syracuse. Went on to be the fourth pick in the draft, and you know the stories write themselves about that. I get the, the change of pace and the energy that guys bring off the bench. I don't know if that's going to work anymore. It's not to say Naheem McLeod, Justin Taylor, and Chris Bell can't have a role on this team. But they are not starters on this team. They are not capable of being out there game in and game out against ACC competition. I know it's early in ACC play, and they are free to prove me wrong. But that Judah, J.J., Benny, Quadir, Malik lineup is your best lineup. It can't always be your lineup, as I mentioned, with matchups and certain things. But if Justin and Chris are out there to be three-point shooters and they're not hitting threes, and they're not, hitting threes consistently enough to, to justify that status, then I think Adrian Autry has to break the mold. I think he has to change his line of thinking and take ownership of who he is as a coach and break the Bayheim pattern there. That's something that Bayheim always did. He always had his same starting lineup. And guys, you got to remember, you're, you're appeasing egos here. You know, one of the reasons that players remain starters in a case is status. Right, They like to hear their name called before the game by the PA announcer, and you're a starting five basketball player at Syracuse University. But clearly, that starting lineup is not working. The best lineup is the one we talked about, which brings me to my biggest bone of contention with Adrian Autry in this game. Where was Benny Williams? Now, Benny played. Let me go over the numbers here. It's not like Benny only played three minutes or Benny had another incident or something like that. Right, Benny played 18 minutes. He should have played a lot more. Benny's 6'9", guys. You can't have Justin Taylor out there guarding some of the players. Again, I think Justin Taylor is pretty good defensively. But Benny Williams has to be out there guarding Mitchell, trying to help with Filipowski, getting on the boards, right? Benny Williams had two points, five rebounds. I get his numbers aren't there. But in this case, there have been some things this year that have clearly been his fault. In this game tonight... I think Autry made a mistake with that. I think Benny needed to play more. He needed to be in there 26 to 28 minutes, particularly just matchups, advantages, defensive things, right? So I think that is going to be very interesting to watch. It's only January 2nd. There's a lot of ACC play to go here. But it goes back to what I said a minute ago, guys. Do we look at this and just say, well, this team's just not good enough to do X, Y, and Z? They were in this game for 25, 26 minutes. That is not a great Duke team we saw out there tonight. It's a good Duke team. And I think it's a Duke team that's going to get better, going to do damage. But you're playing them early in the schedule. This is the only game against Duke, but you barring you see them in the ACC tournament. And they had that. They had a plan. They had a strategy. And they had a way they could have uglied their way to a win. Now, again, your flaw showed up in that you turned the ball over way too much. Duke dominated points in the paint all night, and that was just eventually going to kill you when they started going to Filipowski. So now you're leaning in on him, and they started hitting threes. They went 0 for 9 from three-point range in the first half. We all knew. We all knew they were going to hit some threes in the second half. But to not miss any threes in the second half, talk about going from one extreme to the other. 
So I feel like as a Syracuse fan, you got to be a little conflicted with what you saw out there tonight because you were in it despite not even coming close to playing your best game with your flaws, with the lineup flaws that I talked about. Yet Duke pulled away. And by the way, it was a good crowd. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the Cameron crazies there. The students are still out of town for the break. So you had like normal fans sit where the crazies were and the crowd was great. But you got to take advantage of these things. Every little thing you could get, every little break you can get in ACC play. So I feel like as a Syracuse fan, you look at this, you're like, they're not there yet. And by the way, they have not won a quad one game since 2021. So that is kind of slipping out of their fingers. Guys, it's 2024 now. And if you're going to be a team that's going to seriously be in contention to be in the conversation for the NCAA tournament, then you got to win games like this flat out. And I know that sounds harsh to some and expectations a little too high, but if you show me you can be in a game like this at Cameron Indoor for more than half of it and then just kind of fall apart, I don't know. I think that's a little concerning. And I think a lineup a shakeup could be in order here. And it, that's just your best lineup, flat out. Tell me it's not, right? Chris Bell and Justin Taylor are free to prove me wrong. I've seen good things out of those guys. They have a role on this team. A starter's role on this team, though? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, don't, I think we're kind of getting past this whole, hey, get that charge off the bench from Malik Brown, Benny Williams, and Quadier Copeland. I just put your best guys out there. Make Bell and Taylor and McLeod. Where's Monier Hema, by the way? Man, how bad is Monier Hema or how hurt is Monier Hema? What's going on with him if he can't crack the lineup over Naeem McLeod at this point? So that was really the big story tonight <laughs> to get those threes in the second half. You just had to laugh. You really did because they weren't hitting any literally in the first half of the game. Uh, Syracuse ended up out rebounding Duke 31 30. That's uh, the first time Syracuse has out rebounded an opponent this year and lost Duke really closed that gap. Again, nothing. Another thing Syracuse had going forward in this game, they won the boards and we're up big on the boards until eventually, as we mentioned, do close the gap in this one. Uh, what didn't we mention here? We mentioned some of the guys uh, and the numbers and some of the things that Syracuse did not do. They did shoot their free throws. Well, because as we know, hashtag free throws matter 14 of 17 there. They were, Syracuse was four of 16 from three point range. That's just going to be an issue. Bell and Taylor got to hit threes. Quadier Copla can't be shooting six threes in this game. It was he, just look, yeah, you can't, I can't look at the box score after the game and see Quadier Copeland shooting the most threes. That just can't happen for this team. And Quadier is going to have more good days than bad. I mentioned it on the post-game show uh, after Pittsburgh. Quadier has reached a certain level now that I'm expecting production from him. I'm not expecting a career high like he had against Pitt, but I'm expecting more than this. And I think you're expecting more than this. I think this team is expecting more than this. He has risen to a new level where you have to count on off the bench starters minutes. I don't care what it is. He played 26 minutes and he just had too many bad passes, too many turnovers Had a bad game. You know, this is why Adrian Autry was talking about in his post game after the pit game that sometimes Quadir gives him stomach aches because of the way that uh, he can play. Sometimes he's still maturing, still growing as a player, but he's also reached a certain level of expectation that he's got to bring to the table. All right, guys. Let's hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders. It is so easy to become a Syracuse Sports Insider. And if you are a Syracuse Sports Insider, one of the cool things is 
you can text me during the game. I was texting back and forth with a number of our insiders tonight leading up to the game. A lot of questions about Syracuse football right now. Emily Liker and I, by the way, guys, going to record a podcast this week, just kind of looking at the crazy month that Syracuse football has had. Your questions, welcome on that. This post-game show, you get priority and your voice heard on this post-game show. You text me, I text you, direct line. You can try it free for two weeks, and then after that, it's just $3.99 a month. And to become a Syracuse Sports Insider, just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. It's right there on your screen if you're watching on YouTube at the moment. But we would love for you to join the club and be a part of it and get to get your voice heard on the podcast. As Paul L. says, unrealistic shooting percentage by Duke in the second half, but they had too many open looks. Great effort by Malik Brown. Unfortunately, no one else could score. Malik Brown, guys, what a player he's becoming. So great around the basket. Somebody brought this up on the postgame show last time, and actually in our YouTube comments, we had a great discussion about it. His hands are unbelievable. Quick hands, great hands. Uh, obviously can rebound. He's getting better away from the basket. He's most effective right there. Duke gave him a path. You give Malik Brown a path, let him do his thing, catches the ball, gets up there quickly. What an improvement we have seen from Malik Brown. He's the best center on this team. He's not seven foot four like McLeod, but he's your guy, and he should start at center for this team. I think we're at that point. I know why you got McLeod out of the transfer portal and the whole thing, and sometimes you promise players certain things, and maybe Naeem can, can prove me wrong here, right? But I think we're starting to see why he was kind of in the mix at Florida State and not the guy at Florida State. I don't want to just dump on him all night, but the results are what they are. Kyle Filipowski might be an extreme example there because he is so athletic for a big man, but Naheem's just a, a step too slow in too many ways. He's hurting you more than he's helping you. Is that fair to say at this point? I think it is. I think he, it's a limited role as it is, even as a starter. But then you look at the pit game, he had four block shots. He can do that for you. But you need more from him offensively. And I just think, you know, Malik Brown's got a – I can't believe I'm saying this because it feels like he's playing starters minutes. But it kind of feels like Malik's the guy now as brought up there and a great point from Paul. Kevin H says, Q's offense way too stagnant, too much guard dribble into double teams. Obviously, sloppy ball handling and turnovers are killing us. Duke's second-half shooting a major factor as well. I think Kevin brings up a good point. This team is still trying to find its way in terms of offensive organization, right? There's too much ISO. There's too much free will. There's too much kind of freestyle out there. Move the ball, right? Move the ball more offensive. I've seen more offensive sets. I like the pace they play at. I like a lot about what I see from this team. This team plays hard. I like the grit that they play with, but there's still a little too much disorganization offensively yet. Despite that they're in this for 26, 27 minutes against Duke, right? Think of if some of those bunnies were in, they were running some sets Right. I mean, despite that, Malik Brown's open underneath and some of the things we talked about, but you just didn't get enough offensive production, particularly from three out of your five, four out of your five starters, really, because J.J. Starling was OK in this game. Ryan W. says, overall, if you expected to win this game, I got a great timeshare you might be interested in. Uh, we've definitely seen improvement and we'll learn a lot from this experience, though. Ryan goes on to say Autry is exceeding expectations. 
and there are a lot of ACC games left. Getting this game early and being able to take a lot from it will help the boys going forward. See, I brought this up earlier, and how do you look at this as a fan? I think you have to be realistic about it and look at the development and everything, but you also you had a lot of circumstances going your way. You could have beat Duke. You could have beat Duke at Cameron. And at the end of the road, no one's going to care that Oregon was mission was missing a bunch of guys. You beat Oregon. It's a quality win. The selection committee is not going to be like, well, let's see here. They beat Duke, but the Cameron crazies were not there. And Kyle Filipowski didn't score in the first half. This isn't the college football playoff committee where they leave teams out because their quarterbacks hurt, right? No, they're just going to say you beat Duke, right? They're right there, but you, as the great line said in, in Ghostbusters, I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. You need quad one wins. You need results. You need quality games. Tennessee, Gonzaga, now Duke, right? You got to pile these up. Plenty more quad one opportunities, by the way, in ACC play. And they're going to come fast and furious here. You're like, oh, Brent, it's only January 2nd. Guys, you know how fast this goes. You know how fast this goes. Syracuse actually is not playing again until January 10th against BC, but then they go to North Carolina and then they go to Pitt. And I know what Syracuse did to Pitt at the Dome, but Pitt at the Pete and Pitt ticked off and looking for a little revenge on Syracuse. Going to be a different style of game, especially if Syracuse comes out and plays the way they did tonight. Jan says uh, outside shooting and way too careless with the ball. And why is Q shooting threes? Unless he's been making them in practice. I don't care if he's making them in practice. Quadier Copeland. Cannot shoot six three-pointers in a game. No. That has got to be stressed in practice this week and in film sessions. And I love Quadir. I love how he plays. I love the energy. I love everything we've said about, no, he cannot be your leading three-point shooter in terms of attempts. Can't happen. Jack, this team is as good as Quadir. Speaking of which horrible game from him, Malik Brown was a force. We need to get him going like that every game. Lots to improve on. Gabe jumps in to say Syracuse hung in there for about 25 minutes, but Duke's offense woke up, finishing with eight straight threes. Syracuse is just not ready for quad one games away from home. Oh, and four. Well, you got to break through at some point, right? And they're getting closer to it. Gary D said, we only had two guys show up tonight. Brown and Mintz, Copeland magic, just not there tonight. And no one else played well. Is this the third or fourth game that both bell and Taylor are nowhere to be seen? Question mark. Yeah, is the answer to that, Gary, and that can't happen. If you're going to take that next level and do these things uh, that we're talking about, getting quad one wins, playing well against Duke for 38 minutes, not just 25 minutes, you got to shoot threes in this game. You got to shoot threes to, good, to beat good teams. You can manage to beat good teams, Pitt's a good team, and win some games as this team has, right? I think by and large, Syracuse has exceeded expectations up to this point. I mean, they could have at least covered the 14 and a half tonight for entertainment purposes only, right? But when you look on, you know, you're going to look at the series history now and you're just going to see nine straight wins for Duke. And most of those wins, by the way, are convincing wins, like tonight, a 20-point win. So you're not closing the gap. And this is not even the high-level, you know, Duke teams that we've seen in the past. Good Duke team. Great players, but are we talking about a team that can win the national championship or go to the final four? I don't see that out of that Duke. That Duke team's beatable. And that's the only time you're going to play him this year, short of, again, an ACC tournament uh, matchup. 
Gary D. Oh, wait, we read Gary's comment. It was so good. We put it up there twice. Mike V says, not sure how we free on three-point shooters, but Kyle Kuffer's a name we haven't mentioned. Bell and Taylor don't have a role in this offense. I think Hema may have helped. He could have guarded Mitchell and Brown on flip. Yeah, good question there for Autry. Don't know if it got mentioned in post game. Certainly something we can bring up here in the coming days and weeks. What's the deal with Hema? How is he not even good enough to get out there? To, Mitchell is tearing you up in the paint. Filipowski was better in the second half. Clearly, McLeod's not the answer there. So why is he? And Hema's had a knee issue, and I, I know they're kind of dealing with that gingerly, but to not play him at all when. Autry said the other night after the pit game that this is a team that's going to go deep. They're going to go eight, nine guys. This isn't the Bayheim cutoff where you're not going to see the light of day short of foul trouble or something extreme. Right. I'm kind of curious about that. And I think we do this a lot, you know, well, why did they play this guy and put that guy in and put Mookie in, right? There's another reference for you there, but I think that's actually a legit question. And Al S says Taylor has grit and plays hard, but just not enough athleticism and not making shots. Bell has all the tools, but just doesn't play hard and is a whiner out there. He says, yes, we go nine deep, but we're not getting enough out of our three starters. And that is one of the better points of the evening there from Al, a very frequent Syracuse sports insider text right here from Al a lot. Love his text, love his insight, passionate fan. If you're going to go that deep, then you need your starters to, and let's look at the starters here, okay? J.J. Starling, 34 minutes, 9 points. Judah Mintz, 39 minutes, 18 points. Again, he didn't shoot that well. 5 of 14, couple of shots in the paint, got to the free throw line, 6 assists. I don't have a ton of complaints about Judah Mintz in this game. Chris Bell, starter, 11 minutes, two points. Justin Taylor, starter, 22 minutes, a single point. Naheem McLeod, eight minutes. This is a starter for your team. Zero points. Zeros across the board except a couple of rebounds. He picked up three fouls in eight minutes. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed in that sense that you can do that. So you're telling me from three starters, Bell, Taylor, and McLeod, they combine for three points. This goes, if anything, it might enforce the starting lineup doesn't matter thing if they're only going to play those amount of minutes and put up the points that they do. If anything, you're like appeasing them as a starter. Now let's get the real lineup in there. But that lineup of Judah, JJ, Malik, Benny, Quadir, that's your best lineup. I'm sorry it is. I know there's not a ton of three-point shooting out there. Malik Brown hit a three. In this game, as frustrated as I am with Quadir, like uh, maybe you can get better there. Benny is a decent three point shooter, not somebody I'm counting on from the three point line. JJ's getting better. He's got to be open. JJ's not a, you know, dribble drive, stop and pop three point shooter. Judah is better at the three point line, but I think he also needs to come off screens or be open. And he's, he's, we're not talking about Buddy Beheim here, right? Do I need to bring up that Joe Girard's killing it at Clemson from particularly from the three-point line right now? I don't think that surprises anybody. Joe's got his flaws defensively. And if they were especially in man-to-man defense, I think Joe would have some some struggles on this team. But if you're not going to be a good three-point shooting team, which they're not, 
and you're, that's what your starters are going to give you. And I know we're talking on January uh, is now officially January 3rd, by the way, as the clock strikes midnight on this post game show, we're looking at the difference between what is, what is this? You're asking yourself this question. What does the starting lineup mean? What does a starting lineup mean? Because in the Jim Beheim era, it didn't mean squat. Who's in the game when it matters? So at least Autry's doing that. But I feel like we're kind of at the point where we're just going to keep throwing the same starting lineup out there and hope something happens. Or do you say, what's my best lineup? And do I transition Chris Bell, Justin Taylor, and Naheem McLeod to bench guys? And on the surface, it looks crazy. Naheem McLeod is seven foot four. Of course, you're going to put him out there for the opening tip. It's under 500 on the opening tip. He blocks shots. What else does he do for you? I think Justin Taylor is going to hang in that starting lineup as long as possible. But if he is primarily out there to shoot threes, and that's what he's primarily out there to do, he's not hitting threes. Chris Bell, same deal. Taylor brings a little more. Taylor's a better defender. He can hit the boards. He plays hard. Bell, if he's not hitting threes, you can just kind of see it's it's like an old cell phone battery just die right out if it's not on the charger so all that being said you know i mean we spent a lot of time saying poking holes and what's wrong here there's a lot to like about this team there is guys there's a lot to like about this team you can see where they're going we talked about how hard they play they just have flaws that a young team has to overcome but again do they have time to do that can they get a little more organized on offense? Can they like Duke hitting eight straight three pointers? How much of that? I uh, to not to sound like a coach, but I'll go back and watch the film. How many of those were just uncontested threes? Good passing on their part. Good ball movement versus man, you earn those eight three pointers because Syracuse was in your face and defending you. There is a lot to like about this team. That lineup that I brought up, a lot to like there. Not Benny Williams' fault tonight. He wasn't in enough was not in enough. I, I I think that was a mistake on Autry's part to stick with Taylor longer in this one, especially if he's not giving you anything on the offensive end. We said all along, this team's going to need Benny Williams and they need him. And as long as he stays on the straight and narrow and can do the best he can to stay on track there, they're going to need him. And I think eventually he could turn himself into a, a starter on this team. He was a starter on this team, right? Until things went awry and, I think he's kind of knocking back on that door. So something to definitely watch here. And Autry's got a week to think about it. Syracuse does not play again until next Wednesday, January 10th at the Dome against Boston College. That's another 9 o'clock game, by the way. Uh, 9 o'clock games are the worst. Good news, though, guys. That's the last 9 o'clock game of the season. Yeah. How about that? Good news. There's, a, I think, an 8 o'clock game in March against Louisville. So good news there. Some of you don't care. Uh, shout out to my guy, Mark in San Diego, who's watching on the West coast and you West coasters and people where time is, is not the factor that it is for us on the East coast, but uh, they'll play Boston college at the dome, nine o'clock start ACC network, but then they go to Carolina and go to Pitt Saturday, Tuesday, turnaround, both on the road. Then you play Miami at the dome 
Florida State coming up on the 23rd, NC State at the end of the month. You play BC again to close out January. So that's your January. Two games against BC, second matchup against Pitt, NC State, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina. I mean, when the schedule came out and you looked at it, you're like, there's that early game against Duke. How's each team going to look? How's each team going to look? Syracuse was in this thing for 26 minutes, and they don't get him again. You get Carolina twice. Second time against Carolina is February 13th. Guys, Georgia Tech, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself on the schedule now. Georgia Tech beat Duke, and Georgia Tech's got one of the best players in the league. So there's a lot of questions to be answered here, and I'm curious how it's going to go. And, of course, we'll be uh, tracking it all for you here on Syracuse Basketball Post Game. We'll be writing about it on Syracuse.com. Make sure you check out Mike Waters and Donna DeTota's great coverage. Shout out to Scott Schild and his terrific photos from Cameron Indoor as well. We'll be talking about it on the Syracuse Sports Podcast as well. Got a couple cool podcasts lined up for you guys. So as I mentioned, Emily Liker and I are going to get together this week and just kind of debrief on all the transfers, the recruiting, the coaches, the feeling, Syracuse football. Man, what an best offseason ever. Best offseason ever, and it's not even close. Got another uh, podcast coming up for you. I don't want to give it away yet. Can I give you a hint? Here's my hint. I'll give you a hint. The big turnaround. How about that? That's my hint for you. I'm also writing a column about that that you can see this week. So we got a couple podcasts coming up. Make sure you're subscribed on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow it on YouTube, Syracuse Orange Sports on YouTube where you can see this post-game show, hear this post-game show, and the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Make sure you become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. Try it free for a couple weeks. Text back and forth with me. Get that breaking news first. Get my insight and analysis first. Questions, comments, just want to chat, ask you sports anytime. Send me a text. I'll text you back. Just $3.99 a month after that. I think we'll end uh, this post-game show on that note, friends. Syracuse loses to Duke 86-66. to Great having you here on Syracuse Basketball Postgame, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. We'll talk to you next time, guys.